0: Welcome to Takeaways, Life Lessons Learned. I'm your host, Hayam Mizrahi. Join me as I explore my takeaways from the people who have influenced me the most. Let's get started. So with me here today is none other than Jeff Fargo. I'll say formerly assistant vice president of sales and digital strategy with Fidelity national title. So you have a career that spans three decades, not all in title. You've had a few different industries that you were in. You cut your teeth though in real estate as an agent with Coldwell Banker in St. George. Mm -hmm. That was back in 05 to 08. So you got out, I guess, as the recession was happening.
1: Yeah, oh yeah, that was the writing was on the wall, you know. Back then, it was I like know. people were. I had a friend of mine that li- lived in Saint George, and Mike Osmond. He went to the credit union, threw the keys down to his lease or no, his his truck that he owned, and the papers were with whatever credit union, and put him in, and yep. got the other car with his wife and kid, and went up to Salt Lake City to live with his parents. Yep, many stories like that from that era. Yeah. So
0: from there, you went on to get into uh, some marketing. You did some media work. Mm, Greenspun. Greenspun Media. You're in town, yeah. That's when we met. That's when, yeah. Were you with Greenspun Greenspun at the time? Mm, I was at Greenspun. Also not a good time for selling advertisements. No.
1: No, (laughs) they they fired me because, I mean, shocker, who the fuck is buying print advertising? Yeah. You know, the, the digital stuff I did okay, but who's buying print advertising these days? It's just,
0: you know, come on. It's just. And back then it was still recessionary time, so all budgets were cut.
1: Absolutely.
0: Print was on its way out. So it was a double whammy, but then you eventually found yourself on the title side of real estate. Yeah. So I'll I'll give you my observations that I'm reading from here. So you get into the title business, you become a title rep. And, you know, being in, in any service industry, you're there to provide a service. In your case, it's, I want to do your title and escrow work. Correct. Every title rep out there wants to do your title and escrow work. So they all have their own approach. They come and they say, "Hey, I know you've got title and escrow work. I would love to be your person. If you already have a person, consider me your number two. If anything ever happens, just I'll be your backup." Exactly right. Awesome. Uh, maybe they take you to lunch. Maybe they pull some. They do some research for you. But essentially, like that's it. And you really pick the the escrow officer that is the most accurate. So whatever title rep is tied to that, as this is my experience, is uh, tied to them. And the person you jive with the most. And that also means like that time when you do need to make a call that they answer it and they're responsive. And that sort of becomes the the familiarity of that. That becomes your title rep. But then you get into the industry and you come at it from a different angle. Yeah, I'm watching you. um, You don't just show up to the open house and say, Hey, I'm here to support. you're like, maybe I'll eat a cookie or a sandwich. You're there phone out. Doing a live stream of the open house for the agent back when live streaming was just becoming a thing with Periscope. Yeah. You had to remind me the Ivan
1: and Florence. It's not around anymore. Yeah, is it? no, no, gone. Only it was owned by Twitter. But that's how I, I I got my my street cred with uh you know Florence Shapiro and Ivan Sure. Uh, I, I got into one of their meetings, <clears throat> excuse me, and I showed them. I mean, Ivan's a techie guy, his head exploded. And uh you know, and I said, I go, I know you're already working with another title company. Don't care about your business. Just let me get into as proof of the concept that I have. And next thing you know, there's thousands of people because we're a global destination, uh, you know, watching these, these videos. So it's, it's hard to think hours.
0: about now because everyone's doing it. But back Correct. then I'm sitting at home on a weekend and I'm scrolling like everyone scrolls. And all of a sudden I see your mug and you're like, here I am at one, two, three Seagull Avenue exactly. with so-and-so right. the realtor at so-and-so brokerage. And let's walk through this house. And now it's like an episode of MTV Cribs. You're like, here's this, here's that. You have the realtor with you. There, you're like, you're playing with them. Like, hey, you show me the house. Yeah. And so you're doing for them what they should be doing for themselves. Correct. On one little sliver, that what we're talking about is live streaming before anyone knew what that was. Ten people in the house. I mean, I'm watching, right? Two in the kitchen, two in the living room, three outside, whatever. And then I'm seeing it's like two thousand views. Yeah. So that was like you. You like really showed some people the power of that. Then you went on as a title rep. I'm watching you. Uh, people are posting, tagging you. Coffee meetings at Mothership Coffee. And you're showing them again. Like, this is what you need to be doing as a realtor to be successful. Here's how I can add value for you in the space that I know, which is marketing. It was It's not just digital, but it's that was the heavy emphasis. How am I doing with my observation so far?
1: You're spot on,
0: as usual. And then then come the posts. What's your title rep doing for you? Here's what I'm doing. You'd go to offices. So, like, maybe the the broker brings you in to teach 2,200 at a time. Mm -hmm. Making them, you know, that's very helpful for someone running an office trying to motivate and drive sales.
1: They loved it, loved it. It it was just most title reps come in and they're bringing bagels, donuts, and here's my app. Here's my net sheet app for residential real estate agents. Uh, here's a farming app. Everyone's doing the same thing, the same thing. And I would tell all of them, I don't give a shit about any of that stuff. <laughs> don't get me near a settlement statement. I'm awful with any of that stuff at all. Don't, you don't go a 1,000 yards of that fucking shit. I want nothing to do with it. And But if you want to create generational wealth for yourself, and if you are treating real estate as an art form, if you wake up unemployed every single day as a realtor, and you are just trying to evolve and become better and make everybody in the transaction better. Let's get together because there's a 100% chance I'll find something to help you. And I know that when I was a rep, I wouldn't get all of your business. That's okay. But when you have a chance, please, you know, open it up with whatever title company I'm working for. And that was it. And did it for 10 years. And
0: so there's a takeaway there that we'll we'll get back to as far as, you know, how you differentiate yourself in any service industry. I'll pick on contractors when we... When we get to it, if you remind me, yeah, not for any other reason. Then that's that's the industry that came to my. I head. love it. Uh, so, all right. So you're doing that, and then all of a sudden, you really find yourself. It seems like when you started your own podcast, far was it? It's called Fargo Talks, mm-hmm. but it, you started before January. It feels like to me. Well,
1: what I did was, is my mom, I'm only child, been you know was raised by a single mom. Love my dad, but was raised by a single mom. And this time last year. My mom is in Tampa. I'm here in Vegas. And she started to get sick. So I was in the process of every other weekend, I'm not with my kids, was flying out to Tampa to take care of her. And um, it was not good. And she was going downhill fast. And so I was losing business. Production was going down. The economy going down. This is September of 2022. Uh, And I was thinking, okay, strategically, tactically, how can I get in front of more people with what I know up here? And there's so many times I'm out for drinks with a friend who's a realtor or a broker and we're just going back and they're like oh, mm-hmm. my, that's great or they're saying something that's super cool and I thought e- everyone and their mother now has a fucking podcast everybody and but not a lot of people had, know how to since do it well. So. You well the thing is you are and this is something that I I'm still getting there is you have to be a very good conversationalist when you are a podcast host. You have to let them talk. And it's something that you're very good at that. Um, To this day, you're one of the smartest guys in the room. You're just a very intellectual, but smart, but also funny as hell guy. There's a balance there between education and entertainment. And so I thought this is probably the best way for me, the best format for me to get my, my name out there. You know, started with Periscope and then just kind of evolved into what's the next thing. To do, And so you started this in? Mid-January. Uh, the 17th of no, January, started, I think, was my first one. It feels like you started last year. I, I started, I was talking about it and did the work and started shooting episodes in December of last year. Okay. And, but didn't launch anything until mid-January. Okay. Uh, my first one was, uh, I think, January 17th, and I've dropped between short and long form videos on YouTube, at 250 videos for the year so far. And I drop one episode um, a week of, uh, of Fargo talks and it's with agents, but now it's with like anybody who's, I just want to talk to that I think has a good story to tell. Mm -hmm. Um, I have some people coming up that are going to be like, not even in real estate that much. Uh, one guy, he is the head butler at the Aria opened up the Aria and has like a gift giving company. And I, he approached me and gave me a gift at a, at a remote episode I did, and I, I said, you can come on. I love your story, but it's not going to be an infomercial about your gift company. And he said, okay. I go, I'm not going to ask you names, but in the how many years Ari has been open, he's got stories of people. Oh, I bet. And so that's gold. And that's what we have such an eclectic cast mm-hmm. of characters that live here in Vegas that have stories. And so that's my, my thing now with Fargo Talks is bringing people on – are going to be vulnerable, who are willing to tell their story of what, you know, what they know or their take on stuff. We might not agree and that's okay. It's actually healthy to have that discussion, mm-hmm. but it's, it's being, it's a vulnerability. I think so many people now, this space is becoming flooded. You, you know that. And it's getting people to come on that if you're just going to go on and talk about the awards that you paid for or the, you know, the amount of transactions you've done or the amount of space you've leased up. I don't give a shit. I don't care about that. Talk to me. I want to know about you as a person. Then when that happens, I'm more drawn to you. And then like, it, nobody wants to like be sold anything, but everyone wants to buy. I'll buy whatever you've got if I like you. That's like, let's talk. Let's and, talk. Fargo talks. Yeah. So Fargo, hence hence, then you know, Uh, that's why I called it Fargo talks for multiple reasons, but it's just getting people just to open up. And I've gotten, I'm at 31 episodes and, uh, I just get like you, we get a little bit better with every one. Yeah. Uh, try to, yeah. You just try to evolve and become better. I I love it. I love it. You're eight months in, Mm -hmm. you have a two month
0: waiting list of guests that want to come on and you are over 40 million views across all the platforms that you're on YouTube, LinkedIn, TikTok,
1: all of them. So it's all the things. gotta feel pretty good. Um yeah, I'm not good at that. I'm yeah, I'm thank you. Yeah, I'm you're an asshole. I'm not I am not good at celebrating. I'm not good at like when I go like I'm the girl I'm dating is in is in Tampa. Brand, I just talked her on the phone. And I don't get excited until I'm like I've landed in Tampa and I'm in the Uber going to her house. Then I start getting like my goosebumps start and everything yeah. gets going because I, I love her and, uh, and then I get excited until then. So for me to have all these views and and now it's starting to take off in terms of um, engagement on stuff. I, okay, but I'm only as good as my last podcast. I'm only as good as the last post I, I put up, the last short form piece of content that I put on.
0: Sound like a real estate guy. I'm only as good as my last deal. You are.
1: Yeah. And that's in being, a, and that's, there's a lot of being in real estate. Like I grew up in the business in upstate New York. A lot of it, I still apply today. Um, I'll never be your listed agent again. I'll never be in title escrow again. I'm done. But- There's stuff I've learned that's so applicable to hosting a podcast. So I just
0: introduced you as a title executive. I'm going to say a couple more things and then we'll come back to that. Because you just said you'll never do that again. Ever. So I have your intro here, which I read about your, um, your title, your industry, some timelines of what you've done. But I would add about you that you're dynamic. I think you're funny. You're the kind of guy, you don't have a filter, but at the same time, you still manage to say... In bounds of of appropriate, inappropriate. You're a fitness instructor, or maybe you were at one point. Well, I, I know was. you were at one point. I, I don't was. Know if You are anymore. Yeah. Uh, you're voraciously curious, as we've already kind of seen a glimmer of. You're a family man, and you're charismatic. I would say you're a charismatic guy. Thank you. How about that? I'll take that, especially All from right. you. Thank so, you. <laughs> yeah, oh, I love that. Typically, I'd say those are my words, and your own words tell us who you are, tell us what you do. You've already started that, but now tell us.
1: So you're not entitled anymore. No. Uh, Fidelity National title, Let Me Go on Tuesday. We're filming right now. It's Thursday. And uh, I knew it was coming. Uh, I sat down with my boss. My mom passed away February 26th of this year. I sat down with my boss, Julie Cimarelli, who I love, uh, in late May. No, March. March. Still processing the trauma of everything. And I said, honey bunny, I don't want to be a rep anymore. I'm done. The last seven months that I just went through was hell. And my time is precious. I'm 53. And- I don't wanna be, you know, being asked by agents to bring a fucking open house kit to, you know, Aliante. No, <laughs> not the best use of my of my bandwidth. And she laughed and agreed. Anybody else would have fired me right then and there. And she said, what do you wanna do? And I said, podcasting and also AI, artificial intelligence. I, I jumped into ChatGPT back in December and was building out prompts and playing with it. And then, you know, Google Bard came on and, and she said, let's run with that with you. And- so that's what I've been doing. The challenge so that's, is
0: that, that's the title, the
1: <clears throat> digital strategy. hmm Okay. And that so the, what was that created for you? Um, I I told them what I can do. And they said, okay, do it. It just came down to the market is, you know, transactions are going down and for to, you know, pay my comp wasn't there. Okay. It's fine. It then jettisons me to go do my own gig, which I'll be launching in another two weeks. What is it? Um, it's really going to be three to four things and that's it. Um, monthly calls with agents, brokers, whomever that, you know, I can help, um, $500 an hour that separates all the tire kickers and anybody who's not already doing well. And if I don't bring you 500 bucks in value a month, I'll be, I'll go to fucking Costco and be a greeter. Like, come on, really? So there's that. Um, and that's going to be also as your accountability partner. Because those stuff that I'll be doing everything will be on a Zoom. I'll be doing Zoom AI. So it'll be all the notes will be going back and I'll give everything back to the to the client afterwards. Here's what we talked about your expectations for the next meeting um, on what to do uh, is a biggie. And so there's that part. Uh the other part is gonna be I'm already talking to people about speaking, uh, both here in Vegas, but also um, elsewhere around the country, to come in and speak and to give just classes on. Content creation, you know, like I'm, I'm I'm kicking out hundreds of videos this year I've done and it's working. Like I'm building my audience. And if you're spending money on branding and it's not in the social media space, you're losing money. Um, if you're a realtor, residential realtor, and you're, pretty, you're doing billboards, you're, you're, you're 1984 just called and said, thank you. <laughs> Give me a fucking break. You should be doing all, and all my, literally 99% of all my audience is done organically. I don't pay for any ads. I don't do any of that. And I know how to do retargeting campaigns on Meta. I know all that stuff. I was doing it back, you know, when Periscope, Periscope, small tangent, but when Periscope started to die down, I was the first one in town in the real estate sector to get Facebook Live. At that time, it was just Facebook. They did their homework. It was November of like 2014 is when I got it. And I've live streamed over 2000 homes in town. I know how to do it. So it's now speaking publicly about, hey, if you're doing an open house now and you're sitting there, pull out your goddamn phone, do a live stream, do Facebook Live and walk through the home, then do TikTok Live and walk through the home, then do whatever other platform you have that has a live stream, LinkedIn, whatever has a live stream component and see how many eyeballs you get on what you're doing and engage with those people. That's one of the things I can talk about as well as- Standing there anyway. Why not? Why not? You're already, it's free office space, but you can now leverage that. Um, So there's that part, that component is is gonna be public speaking. And then another one is going to be um, Fargo Talks without Fargo. And uh, clients will come in, meet me at my podcast studio. I'll be sitting next to a camera, off camera, talking to them for an hour, just like we're having a podcast and having a wonderful, sincere, vulnerable, organic conversation. And from that hour, I'll then have my team pull out any really good short form uh, video clips. And then I'm going to give that back to the client and they could push that out themselves. Or if they want to pay me for my firm to do it, I'll push it out for them on up to three different channels so and do that. What do you that. call that? That's content creation? Content creation, and, uh, content creation and deployment is what that's going to be. So, B-
0: B- Fargo Talks, I imagine that's something you're going to continue
1: to I'm do. Gonna, oh, I, that, which is, that's my passion project that... The, the, the fourth, uh, you know, part of the table of my new venture is going to be, I can now, I love saying this now, oh my God, that I can get, now talk to sponsors. I mean, I've had agents that have said, can I sponsor your show? No, because when you work for a title company, you have to be a third party intermediary mm-hmm. and you are beholden to the division of insurance and compliance. And so That's there's- a lot of big words. Oh, <laughs> I have to snort a Xanax just to say it sometimes. <laughs> Um, it is like I couldn't talk about AI working for Fidelity. I could, Jim Duncan, love you, Jim, but he would not let me or anybody at Fidelity under any of the brand Chicago, Tycor lawyers, Fidelity could, cannot still. They are fearful of if I'm doing a class on with ChatGPT and I show somebody how to do a property description and it gives wrong information that agent is going to use that information and then they get in trouble and then they're going to turn on and sue fidelity for being the ones to show them fidelity is a big enough company that they'll catch a, a settlement from something like Correct, that. yeah. is what okay. they're they're very they're still very fearful of that. And rightfully so. They are in the insurance business, I guess. Right, well they, that's are. Who they are. And that's their they're beholden to their to their stockholders. Yeah. So, they're a multi-billion dollar company, so Okay, I'm not throwing shade on that. That's the it is, those are, it is those are the constraints I was put under. Also, it was a lot I'd get all the time. I wish that you could be my title rep, but I'm already using Fern Flanagan over at uh, Uncle Jimmy's Used Title Shack over in fucking Moapa, and I'm, I love them. Uh, okay, <laughs> what, what, what what I have no idea what that even means. What you said to me, but that happens happened a lot. Um, now it's I don't care who you open up title escrow with. I don't care. Like I know good EOs in town, good escrow officers on the residential side at several companies. I can tell you who's good. I can tell you who's not good to stay away from. Hell yeah. But now it's more about, you're going to have a vested interest in your success and I'm going to be on that team. And you're going to compensate me for that. In the beginning, not on the back end with a closed escrow when Mm -hmm. I get a commission off fees. Now it's, no, you're going to pay me an hourly or I'll speak and you'll pay me to come speak at your brokerage or whatever
0: and do that. So I got the monthly calls, mm-hmm. public
1: speaking, mm-hmm.
0: Fargo talks, and content interviews.
1: Yeah. That should keep you busy. I'm hoping so, man. I'm hoping so. I get bored fast. The ADHD thing, I get <laughs> fucking bored really fast. So I'm in the process now of, like I was let go on Tuesday and already have a, a sizable amount of commitments of people. It's verbal. I don't have stuff done up yet, but I'm just mm-hmm. like, look at I'm not going to do contracts. Let's just on a handshake, but you will pay me ahead of time. You know, you'll be invoiced ahead of time and I want that needs to be funds to be in my account before I show up at an event or before we speak on the phone. Then you have skin in the game. Because if you tell me that you have a listing appointment and can't make our meeting, there's no refund. I don't care. Because if you meet with me, you're going to get 10 more listing appointments. Control your calendar. Come on. Don't be a bitch. So many absolutes. It just, as you get older, I just, my, I'm so much more tactical with my time. And that's why now there's more absolutes in who I am and how I conduct myself in my business. If we're, if it's social, offer drinks, don't care. Then it's like, let's roll, man. Dirty martinis at Hank's, love it. With the blue cheese olives, love it. Um, but when I'm in work mode, I, I don't have that, I don't have that luxury. Nor does anybody, I think, yeah. that takes their work seriously. So you mentioned earlier, you're dating someone. I am. So I know
0: that you're divorced and I know that you are amicably, amicably co-parenting. That yeah. might, even, might not even be the right adjective because <clears throat> it's even better than that.
1: We, we get along very well. We're friends. Um, we, we get along much better now than when we were married. Yeah, Becky's great. And she's going to school to be a therapist, which is hysterical. I love it because she's brilliant. Super smart woman. And um, another semester at UNLV and she's done. And we, we co-parent, we text almost every day the kids and picking the kids up or doing whatever. And the thing I'm learning now is building my business plan out. I got this from Dave Tina Jr. Is that, well, Dave Tina actually, but I was going to split hairs. Is that he said- Is that a ball joke? No, it's that because he's not because <laughs> he's not I guess a true junior is if you have the same middle name and I don't think his dad and him uh-huh. have the same middle names. I think highly technical now. So that's what because when he was on my pod, he was like, "I'm really not a junior." Got it. I didn't go down that road. I acted like I already knew what he was talking about just to keep him going because I didn't want him to stop because he's also one of the smartest guys in the room. Is Dave? Um, but he told me he was one of the first people I called when I got let go, and he knew this day. But we all knew this day was coming. Mm-hmm. But him and I have been talking a lot about it. And he, he gave me great advice on how to build up my business. He said, don't look at the money first. It's like, you love the travel. You love your kids. You love Brandy. Think about first, how much time do you want to spend on vacation with your kids every year? How much time do I want to spend with Brandy? And then figure out how much money does that cost? Look at your budget. What's your Then look at all your expenses and all that. How much money do you have put away? And then there's your you know, window of how long you have to get going on stuff. And how much do you really want to make? because we should all have that number. People say, I want to be a millionaire. Well, a million's not, not a lot of money these days. And it's more about how much money do you want to make, the, but there's a balance in your life. That for me, it's my kids at Brandy, you know, um, th- that's it. And then all the work stuff that happens. Um, and so that's, I'm, I'm doing that now. And it's a wonderful, uh, you know, process to, to, be, to walk through. Uh, Cause I'm just like, okay, like this many weeks, and I'm thinking about trips to go on and, mm-hmm. and all that stuff. And you're
0: getting all your priorities in first and then yes. taking care of it. Because you're going to make money. Yeah. You're going to be successful. Yeah.
1: You're a hard worker. You're smart.
0: You're uh, funny and charismatic and <laughs> dynamic. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh,
0: but it's really oh, it's really about Love sound it. advice from Dave. Uh, yeah. What what matters? Take care of that first and everything else will f- fall into place. So two kids.
1: Yeah. Talk about uh, your kids. Two genetically superior children uh, that <laughs> both belong in every picture frame at Hobby Lobby. Uh, they're that attractive. Uh, Alexandria is, uh, Alex is um, 14. And um, she's, I was every time I talk about my kids, man, every time. Um, I love, it's like something with having a daughter. Like I love Jack, but something with she's my baby girl, man. And um, she's a, a freshman right now at LVA at Las Vegas Academy for Performing Arts and Sciences. and uh, What's she there for? She's uh, musical theater. Nice. And it's like every every parent, Haim, thinks her kids like playing soccer. Oh, my kid's next, you know, freaking Ronaldo, like the whole whatever, or Messi. What I thought she was good, we had her at these, at Hollywood Kids, Broadway Kids in Henderson. Ray Lucero came to, to one of uh, Alex's performances like eight, nine years ago. And she was Miss uh Miss Hannigan and Annie. So the woman that's like runs the orphanage. Mm-hmm. And she's very like she's the old man, man. She's funny and just memorizes shit. And at the end of the play, I turn around, Ray's in tears.
0: Because <laughs> he couldn't believe how
1: good she was. And he's also, you know, yeah. proud. He's a proud dad. Proud before. dad of, you know, and and loves, you know, loves his kids. And he couldn't believe how good Alex was. And that was ratification for me. Yeah. That someone that I love and adore, like Ray really was like just brought to tears. And so I'm so proud of her and that she's a hormonal 14-year-old girl and we have a wonderful relationship together. You know, I know that when she gets in the car, if she's dead silent and I got to run to Walgreens and get her pads, okay, off we go, honey. And I'll go in and buy them. I'm good with that. Um, But we have a great relationship together. I give her her space if she's not happy or not feeling it because she's got these raging hormones and her brain going and feeling these emotions. And I let her process all of that. And she should have that space. Um, And she's just, she's a sheepdog. She's a sheepdog. Uh, You know, I've said it on my pod, uh, you know, and I'll talk about Jack in a second. Um, There's a great um, line in American Sniper, the movie that, uh, that Clint Eastwood did. And the dad is with, it's when uh, Chris Kyle was a kid with his brother and mom at the dinner table. And the, the boys got into a fight in like elementary school. And, and the, the dad says, boys, there's three types of people in the world. There's sheep, there's wolves, and there's sheepdogs. The sheep get preyed upon, the wolves prey upon the sheep, and the sheepdog protect the sheep from the wolves. My daughter's a sheepdog. And I am so proud of her for that. Because she does it to me as a tourist, They're her her brother? It's phenomenal. She is so selfless. At fourteen, Hiem, my God! And to that, I'm like, I'm a good dad. And her mom is amazing to foster an environment in a split home. She has two homes that she's she's doing okay. And I know she'll make mistakes. That's okay too. I'll be the first one to pick her up, dust her off, and what'd you learn from that? And off you go again. Um, so that's Alex. And then Jack is red hair, blue eyes. His skin looks like organic 1% milk from Costco. <laughs> like, oh my God. And he just, it's, it's, it's challenging when I'm out with both of them. Cause poor Alex, Jack gets a lot of attention. I just took him back to upstate New York. We did a whole big party for my mom, uh, on Canandaigua Lake at her country club. She was at, and everyone's Jack, 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 Jack. And but trying a couple to touches hair for people. People do that. Um, whenever the like social security checks come out at Costco, if you time it right, and it's all the old people are there. If you're there with Jack, the old people love Jack Fargo. Don't know why, but they fucking love him. It's just, and he's good with it. He's, you know, um, and he is a just tender, loving boy. He's so good. And is a chit chatter as funnier than shit. And they, they both have comedic timing. I've told them both you're cooler at 14 and seven than I am at 53. They're just great kids. And whatever they do, I don't care if it's in real estate or they work at Foot Locker, they're going to be so happy and and fulfilled with what they do. And that's what that's my job as their dad is to, to give them that conduit to find happiness. We're also like, you're going to make money. You know, Alex is 14 and I've already told her, 16, you're going to need a car. How are you going to get the car? I'll pay for half of it. But- you what you better get you better start walking dogs or picking up poop or doing something in the neighborhood. Cause come sixteen, you're gonna need a job. If she comes
0: up with you paying half and getting half from mom, <laughs> well, we're hiring her as a broker. Yes.
1: <laughs> Please do.
0: Well,
1: Please funny. do. So but she's she has asked me about real estate before. And I've said, even like when I was a rep, but even now not being a rep, I I, I'm blessed to know enough people on the commercial side, residential side lending. And I'm going to tell her now, even though I don't have a job in real estate anymore, if that's something she wants to pursue, we can go hang out for an hour or so Mm -hmm. with a residential real estate agent and, and see what they do for their job or commercial. Um, that's what my dad did. I mean, I learned all my sales stuff from my dad when I was, you know, we were going to gun shows, and uh, flea markets when I was 9, 10 years old selling knives. And I learned how to dicker with people and read people. And my dad was knife man and I was, you guessed it, knife boy. <laughs> with these overly tight red T-shirts with felt lettering. And I'm a short little obese kid with a bull haircut and it's 1981. I got to see a picture of that. Uh, no, I don't think you do. Um, I'm looking for him. My dad's in the process of moving. And so we're, we're trying to find stuff back in New York. And uh, But he put little, he put pricing on of the knife on a little sticky note, tiny on the back of a knife. And that was the minimum price we had to get for that knife. Whatever over that number was, I got to keep. And it taught me how to read people. Mm-hmm. And it taught me how to let people talk and then dicker back and forth and read them as they're saying the number that they're giving to say how confident are they with that number? Or are they scared? And it was awesome. An amazing nice. takeaway from for me, and I, I'm I'm now teaching this stuff like that to my kids because you can. I, it's either like you're going to bartend, you're going to wait tables. I, I've told my kids learn sales. You can always find something 100 commission and go kill it. And there's no cap on what you're going to make.
0: And also, sales is literally transferable to anything. Even anything. if you're not a salesperson, you're an executive, an administrator, a marketer, whatever. And you bring a sales lens to the table, you're going to, you're going to crush. Yeah. All right. So you're kind of segueing into the the next bit. This show is called takeaways. It's about my takeaways from people who have influenced me. So I ask everyone, what has been the single most influential thing or event in your life that shaped you the most?
1: Um, It was when I was married and uh, we had Jack. He was born December 30th of 2015. And I had been working at First American Title for um, about a year and a half. And Becky was teaching at Del Webb Elementary over in Henderson. And she said, the first two kids, cause we have, I have a stepdaughter and it's from her previous marriage. And she said, with Izzy and Alex, I had to work while they were going to school. And you know, I, I couldn't be home for them. I want you to make it. Can you make it so I can stay home? I'll finish out this year. After my you know maternity leave, I'll finish out the year. But then September, I don't want to go back to school, and I made that happen.
0: Not go back to school and go back to work. Go back school. to teach. Yeah. Yes,
1: to okay. go back to teach to work. She wanted to stay home, and Jack is better for that. Um, that's it. But I I just got very smart with what to do, and that was my second or third year at at Fatco, and I then learned I was the first one in town to do um, Facebook ads. I took the entire Galvar. Uh, email list and was doing videos saying, hi, I'm Jeff Fargo with First American Title. If you're watching this video right now, that means I can get you in front of the exact people that want to buy or sell a home with you. Click below for more information. And that put me in the top 1% uh, year-over-year revenue growth for year two or year three with FACO. I made their President's Club national thing because of that. This first one on the table. You think you would have done
0: that if Becky didn't ask you to?
1: No, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have had that urgency, I am. Um, I always need that type of force, whether it's an environmental thing that's going on in my life, like me losing my job at at Fidelity or the birth of a child and my wife saying, I don't want to work anymore and I've earned the right to stay home and she had. Uh, I always need that. And then I I do it almost every time. It's fun. You know, like you mentioned the thing, I, I, I was a SPIN instructor for, I did it for three years. I was 75 pounds overweight than I am now, and went into the Henderson Multi Generational Center and started in the back row and started like one or two classes and dying. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking dying. Like your ass hurts. You're like, that's just the worst. When you start taking spin, it's like you just, it's awful. Whatever the stuff is that the, that the dentist puts on your gums to pull a tooth, you should put on your taint before you get on a goddamn bike seat to take spin classes for the first fucking week. Oh my god! And so, but I worked again. I just I'm never satisfied. So I went from the back row to then I started taking four classes a week, then five classes, then drinking more water. Then I'm up in the front row, watching the instructor more. Then I got my instructor certification. Then I became Vegas spin guy and took over the entire program at the multi-gen for about two or three years. I did it. And um, like October of one year, I was just, I was up on stage. And we had a disco ball and the whole goddamn thing. And I was like, I'm bored. And then by December, I left. On to something else. I just, I, I, I move on. I, I don't stay with something if I'm bored. I change. What was the impetus for you to get healthy, to lose weight? Um, My kids. You know, I'm a I'm a 53-year-old guy and my daughter's 14 and my son's seven. So now I walk almost every day. I take my walks. But that was, how old are you? How many years ago I was that? Uh, 40, well, I was 40. We had Jack, I was uh, 46, 40, 40, no, sorry, 48, 49. Um, no, he's seven, so 46-ish is where I was. And I just was, but still like getting a little bit older, just, you know, you start to get creaks and cracks and things pop and, you know, lower back being a taller guy. And so <laughs> I was just like- How what? much did you weigh? Uh, I was 290, 285, 290. Oh, I have great before and after pictures are hysterical. I just saw you posted one recently. I did. Didn't you? you I think so. Did, right? I don't know, dude. I post stuff so much now. It's like, if you ask me what I posted yesterday, I can't tell you. I can tell you what I posted today um, was about how there's people I, I'm not letting on my podcast, but- Yeah, yesterday, the day before, no idea. Like my underwear color, can't tell you, don't know. I'm wearing them, (laughs) but I don't know what color they are. Um, That's one I don't
0: think people really pay attention
1: to to remember. Underwear color? What'd you have for breakfast? Maybe something like that. Also true. Also true. I I think it's, I'm just, I'm always looking forward. I'm I'm a very, I'm I'm, I'm a growth mindset guy. And so I'm very much into giving myself grace as much as possible. Like, It felt good with you saying those nice things about me, like your observations of me. I hold you in very high regard. I love you. And so it was very nice. I let that wash over me. Most people won't do that. Mm -hmm. They'll deflect and say something and they'll do some, you know, self-deprecating humor or condescending thing about themselves. So true. Because they won't let those wonderful words from someone that they love and adore wash over them. It's free. Why not accept it? It makes you feel good. It's uh, I'm gonna talk about
0: that, and then I'm gonna go back to spin. Uh, I was in college, I was cocky as hell. No, 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 Not me. stop it. Uh, rooted in insecurity, as you can imagine. But I was like, that was my yeah. personality. This guy's cocky. <clears throat> this guy's arrogant. You know, Jared. Jared's like personable. People love him immediately, and like, what's Did up you with your friend? Haim? he's an asshole. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Why is he so pissed off all the time? Why does he look like he's pissed off yeah. all the time? Cuz oh, you're I was thinking, a prick.
0: I was a <laughs> prick. I was. I was, you know. I would finish your sentences cuz it's like, come on, I already know what you're going to say. You, you, you don't get have get a song. on with it. Yeah. yeah. Um anyway, yeah. I was that guy. I had a friend and a coworker. We worked at a tie shop at the forum. It's called the knot shop. As it should. It's a great As name, right? And I remember he said to me, um, you know, thank you is a pretty good response. If someone gives you a compliment, in my case at the time, it was, you have really nice eyes because at that point in my life, I would get my eyebrows waxed every other week. This I is
1: need Vegas. Pictures of that This place. is Vegas.
0: There, there are plenty. And like, that. I got a lot of material to work with here. So they you were do.
1: shaped like, <laughs> wonderful
0: wow. And I'd get people all the time. especially better than not shop. They'd stop. They'd come in. You have really nice eyes. I'm like, yeah. You know, cocky. Yeah. And he, he said, thank you. Just say, thank you. You can decide if you want to accept it. You can decide if you want to deflect it. All that can happen internally. But if someone takes their time and attention and all that to give you a compliment, just say, thank you. When you do all that other stuff, it's like, what is that? How much, how diminishing is that to the person that it also takes courage to say something nice to somebody, And they do that, and they build up the courage, and they say it, and you just
1: diminish it, just say thank you. I I agree. So that's that's a— I I, I could not agree more, and that is something that I think most people don't do. I don't think they know how. I think
0: a compliment makes them uncomfortable. No one did what his name was Matt. Matt did for me. He, like, we had a lot of time to stand there in the nod shop, and he could break something like this down for me in a way where I'm like now internalizing it and processing it. And he's like, and so I've thought about it. I haven't thought about it like I'm, I am now until you brought it up, but I've thought about it over the years. And there was a, something that I incorporated in myself, similar to like, I, you know, Jared and I took a Dale Carnegie course, nine weeks, three hours on a Monday. And one thing I learned is how to introduce myself with a name like Chaim Mizrahi, or is it Chaim? Is it Chaim? I have always like mentally just tripped up. If I'm in a crowd, how do I introduce myself? You know, you walk up and people can say, Jeff, and they know, Oh, nice to meet you, Jeff. I can't do that. Hi, I'm. And they wait. Hi, I'm, I'm Jeff. Hi, I'm, i Scott. I never Scott. thought of that. Hi, never thought of like, that. Holy so shit. Like even just walking up <coughs> to meet somebody for the first time, there's all this like mental gymnastics happening in my right. brain until the Dale Carnegie course taught me, there's a proper way to introduce yourself. Say your first name, pause, and punch out your last name. But with my name, I can't just say Chaim Mizrahi. I have to add to it. Hello, my name is Hayam Mizrahi. And until I learned that and practiced it wow. forever, I was always just the uncomfortable, shy, awkward yeah. dude in a crowd. And then similar to a compliment, it's I think a lot of people don't know how to just accept a compliment with a simple,
1: yeah, thank you. They don't know they, they, that is the but the biggest thing I see in interpersonal communication is failure to give yourself grace. It costs zero amount of money, and there's one hundred percent upside to it. Take the compliment, uh, you know, or just thank you,
0: and then decide internally. But like, yeah. don't do that to the person that gave you a compliment. They don't
1: want to hear your horse shit going on. No, it's it's rude to them. It's very rude to them. It's, it's horse shit. And I, it's just, if they're taking that time, and you're right, they're making themselves vulnerable, and you're just, and you're like, well, not really. I'm a cocksucker. Like, what? no. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, no, no. I think you're a good person. That's all I'm saying. Thank you. Yeah. And you're right. Like, just say thank you. I, I'm a big one. And I talk to people about it. I like, just let it wash over you. Embrace those, mm-hmm. embrace that, those kind words like a warm blanket on a cold morning. Just get in there, man. It's okay. It's cool. (laughs) Spin class. Yeah. So similar to you, I had a
0: conversation with myself when I was turning 40, 39 turning 40, my birthday's in January. So also with the end of year reflection and, you know, projecting the next year and and what my goals are going to be and all that. It's like, I had to talk with myself. It's I'm going to be 40. I can't control what's going in my mouth. I have no exercise routine to speak of. I haven't had one since our kids were born. And I'm going to blink and be 50 and I'm going to be unhealthy. And so I've got to get this, this thing figured out. My wife signed me up for Lifetime as my birthday present. And I was going with a couple of buddies of mine. Thank God. Happy birthday. You're fat, out of shape, and, you know and get working out. You I love what? it. Thank you. Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for the, for the <clears throat> membership. Because the other part of me, I'm not going to, another mental gymnastics thing for me is like, That's a lot of money for a membership. And I going in there talking to them, I'm not paying that per month, but her just saying, I signed you up. It's done. Yeah. Great. Thank you. Yeah. I had a couple of buddies that were already going every morning. So I went and they're like, Hey, Thursday is a spin class. Let's do that. So my first spin class ever. Now I remember when you got into it and you became an instructor and you were, man, you were trying to sell it to me.
1: And I, I wanted no part of it. I remember that, but you were, i remember those just days. come on i'll get you yeah. a little
0: gel seat yeah
1: yeah i i, I provided gel seats of? for my students <laughs> yeah for my new students gel seats yes what did you have 80s 80s music i did i had disco nights disco you had 90s uh-huh metal because I'm, I'm a big metallica guy. I, I did metal not, rides yeah i'm not doing the spin class yeah. anyway
0: fast forward they're like thursday is spin third floor at lifetime in Summerlin. we go up i have no idea what i'm doing I get on the bike Instructors there, the music, it's dark. It's actually a pretty nice environment. Mm -hmm. Dude, two guys over for me is like just dripping, dripping sweat. I'm working as hard as I can. You know, my heart's going, things hurt. I'm trying my best to keep up. (laughs) Things hurt? Mind you, I've been in like physical atrophy for years. Right. And now I'm doing my first spin class. So the instructor comes up to me after and he's like, you know, he's like, you know, he's doing the thing with everyone. Oh, good job, Jessica! And hey, good, yeah. uh, good to see you guys next week, right? And he comes with me. He's like, did you even get a workout? Like, all oh, quiet. I'm like, yes. Anyway, so third floor at Lifetime. We walk out. Now we have to go downstairs. Whoa. And so, <laughs> I am so grateful. Like it was me and my two buddies, and I'm on the outside edge next to the, the railing. Because I took the first step down and so all of my weight now is on my leg and it goes whoa. and I grab onto the thing. Oh shit. Cause I almost fell from the spin yeah. class. My yeah. first ever. Yeah. And it was a it was a long way down welcome. those stairs. Yeah. <laughs> welcome.
1: <laughs> yeah. Welcome. Welcome to your first spin class. Yeah. Did you go back?
0: I did a couple more. Good and then COVID happened and we got a Peloton like everybody else and did that. And I was fine. I dug it.
1: Do you still have your Peloton? We still have it. Good for you. You want it? You want mine? <laughs> <laughs> I I got I got the Peloton. It's hysterical because I'm like, you know, because I, I went from spin instructor, <clears throat> spin instructor at, at the multi-gen, went to Lifetime in, in um, Green Valley. When I was married, Becky and I split up. I'm like, I'm not paying that anymore. Please. Got a Peloton at my house. Did it for about a year, year and a half. And then I'm like... <sighs> I can't, and the instructors are hot. Like, yeah. Like, the, I'll look at the girls. There's so
0: many great things about that because it's like I only have 20 minutes. Cool. Grab the like sort 20 mazel. minutes. Let's roll. There's like volumes of 20 minutes. Do you want the this guy, that guy, that gal, that gal? What are you into? But all I have is 20 minutes. Great. Bang. I've got more time. I really want to do a strong workout. Fantastic. Do the 45 minute hit. Oh, hours or everything to kill you?
1: Yeah. Oh, and and they fucking kill you. They try to. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I, but now my thing now is I walk, uh, three times, four times a week over five miles. I'm inspirata. I love it. I'm up at 5am. Love it. It's peaceful. There's all these people now that like, it's like when I was younger, Eastview Mall in Victor, New York, there was mall walkers.
0: Mm -hmm, You know, it's mm -hmm. like when you're
1: older, you'd go up there and put your kids on or whatever and walk the mall. Well, now there's these people that now they know me and I know them and they're 70s plus wave to each other and how are you? And some have dogs. They sob and pet their dog. And it's it's wonderful. Quality of life. I love it, man. So now I'm a walker. Good for you. Yeah.
0: You mentioned upstate New York. Go back to, to
1: that. Where yeah. did you grow up? What was the environment like? Um, born in Manhattan. And uh, my, my dad is from Manhattan. Uh, went to Bronx High School of Science, which you're, if you're a good, smart Jew from Queens, that's where you go to school. It's Bronx High School of Science. And then went to Baruch, uh, for his um, undergrad was a semester away from getting his MBA at Baruch and being the product of an overbearing Jewish mother said, I'm out of here. And uh, in 1967, got married to a girl from upstate New York and started smoking weed <laughs> <laughs> wow. and went into sales <laughs> and was like, and, and, and she came and my mom was living. They, they met working at an advertising company, uh, Doyle, Dane and Birnback. Now it's DDB Needham uh, in Manhattan. And they were both account executives. And they met and my upstate New York family want nothing to do with, they're all a bunch of hicks. So who is this Jewish guy that my mom is now with? And um, But they got together and um, we moved up when I, I started first grade in Canandaigua, New York, uh, south of Rochester. And um, my family, my mom's family owned 80% of all the commercial lakefront property on the North shore of Canandaigua Lake for 40 years. We had an amusement park. Um, my grandfather and uncle had it, and I grew up in all doing and all of that, and um, it was wonderful. Wow. Small little Canandaigua, like twenty thousand people, um, little town. I was just there for over a week this summer with the kids, and uh, a great place to grow up. Summers, it's beautiful. Fall foliage, awesome. Uh, winter, oh my god, oh my god, just like we own a trailer park. So every Christmas Eve, somebody, the crock from the single wide trailer, would, the water line would snap. So over comes Jeff and the F-350 with my Carhartt bib overalls. And the people didn't have the fucking heating tape on, their, on, the, on the water line. Oh yeah, yeah. Did that for years and plowed snow. And, but great place to um, learn about people. I learned a lot from my grandfather about real estate. Um, he left school at 13 and just was self-made his whole life and uh, buying property and buying real estate, and investing, and doing deals in a handshake. Stuff I still do to this day. I'm still a hopeless optimistic uh, when it comes to people. And I always look for the good in people. If you fuck me, I will rip out your heart in your own kitchen like it's fucking Temple of Doom with Indiana Jones and show it to your family still beating. I'm out. I'll cut you like a samurai. But it's that rarely happens. It's more of I think there's more good people in the world than not. And a lot of that I get from the the um, just morals I was given by my grandfather and, and my dad um, and my mom growing up about how to treat people in, in business. I, I still do that now and I'm trying to convey that onto my kids.
0: And so third generation real estate guy. So grandfather's mm-hmm. number one. Yep. Who was number two?
1: Um, it was my grandfather and my uncle did it. And then my mom took over. And at that time I was, I moved back to Manhattan. I was living on the Upper East Side of Manhattan selling copiers for Canon. And I was uh, knocking door to door in the garment district. It was like, I was I was 23rd to 33rd from Sixth Avenue to the river. So the garment district, and I'd knock on the doors and the thing would open up and they saw this guy with a suit and they, they thought I was immigration. <laughs> I'm like, I'm just here to sell you fucking facts. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care how many illegals you've got in there, you know, hemming things. Um, so I did that and moved back up and my mom took over everything, uh, from my grandfather and uncle got out and sold a bunch of stuff, but retained a lot of their portfolio. So I started doing college housing. It was the first real estate venture I ever got into that. My mom said, there's 24, um, apartments here. You figure it out. Here's the keys. I'm going to give you one bit of advice. And I was 22 at the time. And she was, what's that? And she said, don't diddle the tenants. <laughs> and I never did. And did well there. That was that was a cash cow for us. That was just, in terms of the leases, I, I did a whole 16-page lease, and it was by semester. So when before you moved in, you paid me for that semester. Mm-hmm. Well, Jeff, I can't. I'm getting a Pell or Tap cow. I don't care. Go to the bank and get a loan. I'm not going to wait for the money. I'm not the bank. It was great. And I had a zero tolerance policy for drugs and alcohol. So if you if I caught you, and Andrew got arrested, you're evicted, you forfeit your rent. It's great. Oh, it's wonderful. In terms of like me learning the economics of real estate, was, mm-hmm. oh, and I was blessed. Like most people, they start off with buying a duplex, you know, and they live in yeah. one half and run out the other half and they're fixing the toilet and they're doing all that work. Well, I had an edge up that I was given this thing that was doing okay, but I, I turned it around and got it leased up like by my second year, 100% occupancy and, uh, and learned then um, MySpace was around. And this was like 2004, 2000, no, um, yeah, 2004 or five. No, this is 90, shit, this is 94, 94. And AOL, America Online, mm-hmm. came out where you'd get that CD. Would get it was the best <laughs> freaking puppy dog clothes ever <clears throat> that you'd get, you know, put that CD in. And so I started doing organic advertising there
0: and took off. How did you get from there to a hamburger stand- or hamburger
1: restaurant in St. George? <clears throat> Fargo's drive through um, Was 13 years working for my mom and had had it, loved her, but just, it was toxic. Um, there wasn't enough therapy I could get through to do it. And so I was dating a girl that I knew I'd never marry, but she said to me one day, I'm moving to St. George, Utah. And I said, we're on God's green earth, is St. George, Utah? <laughs> and she said, "It's it's right, it's like two hours outside of Vegas. I go, oh, I like Vegas. I've been to Vegas a bunch of times. Vegas is my town. I, I love when people that don't live here and they go, Vegas is my town. My, it's not your fucking town. You come here, you lose ass loads of money. You pin your credit card, probably cheat on your spouse, and you go back home. It's not your town. It's our town. We live here. Um, but you were that guy. <clears throat> oh, I 100% I was that fucking guy. For years, I was that guy. Oh, I've got stories about that. That's that's takeaways yeah. too. Um, when came out and- Landed here. It was August, like 108 degrees. I'm like, oh my God, what is this shit? I'm used to going to the casinos. Off we go to St. George. Knew A one guy I, I knew there from my uncle got me in front of Steve Kemp and Greg Griffin, had a Caldwell Banker commercial franchise. And so met with them and they said, you know, well, what can you do? And I said, well, I've been doing real estate, you know, for a few years now and about 10 years at that time. And uh, this is how I can get in. And I, And they said, okay let's get you over here. And so I went over and I actually got good business by, I was doing commercial. I door knocked literally all of downtown St. George, all the businesses. So that was the first morning? Yeah, literally. It's small, it was small, right? Um, It that, it took about three months to get through every, every business. So not the morning? No, no, but it was, the morning was a good start. It was like my first morning there, I was out knocking yeah. doors before I knew Dick about, because it's like, I want to fail, I'm going to fail forward. Mm-hmm. And you could sit and back and talk to people in the office and go back and forth. No, go out there and get your ass kicked. Literally, as much as you do that, because you're going to learn every single mm-hmm. time. And that's what I did and did okay. But then the recession hit and it was like, oh, forget it. Yeah, spigots so, off. Spigots off. and. One of the things we had in our portfolio in Canandaigua was we owned uh, Caruso's Lakeshore House, 500 seat banquet facility. So I was washing pots and pans at eight because my mom ran it. And I'd ride my bike down there after school to be near her. And so I was a salad girl. I was a bus boy. I was, (laughs) when I got older, I was a bartender, you know, did all of it. And so some of it well, some of it not well, but I was there because I was the, you know, owner's kid and everyone knew it. Okay. Um, And so- when we were looking for the, the market tanks, I was uh, the general manager of Scaldoni's was a very nice restaurant in St. George. My buddy, Johnny DeVivo, great chef. I think I've been there. Oh, and they're they're gone now, but-
0: was it like in the corner of a shopping center?
1: Yes. Yeah, I've yeah, been there. yeah. Oh, so good. Yeah. And Johnny now was like at a country club in Southern California and killing it. And God bless him. Um, did that for a while, but then got let go because business kept going down. And so I had no money at that time. My, my ex did from her, you know, life insurance stuff from her her husband passing away. And so Steve Kemp, who is at the Caldwell Banker, who I still love, he's running for city council now in St. George. He said, why don't you go buy um, the old uh, whatever uh, hamburger stand in Santa Clara is up for sale. The guy had a heart attack and passed away and they're getting rid of it. So I was like, I can sell burgers. We can't sell burgers. That's easy. Anyone can do it. And so got into and started Fargo's drive through And uh, it was a labor of love. It was, uh, we ended up buying the land from uh, BLM and then bought the building. And so own, own the corner. Um, it was awesome in the beginning, but it becomes your mistress that you're there all the time. Mm-hmm. And um, the Mormon culture are frugal people. I was LDS for 13 years, so I could speak to it. Um, and... I was putting out like Angus burgers. Like this stuff was awesome. We had Mormon women, Diet Coke is Mormon meth. Like that's their thing. So what we did was after church on Sunday, we brought like all of Relief Society, all the women over to Fargo before we opened. And I had the guy from the Coke distributor in Cedar City come down to calibrate the amount of syrup with the carbonation to make sure it's a good, they call it a good mix, And also to get, we had to have pellet ice. They call that the good ice. Yeah. So we had the pellet ice and it was like a wine tasting because we had like 30 women there and they took a little cup and they drank the Diet Coke, a little bit more syrup. Okay, let's go to from negative one to zero. And so got it dialed in just right. And it was awesome. Um, I became, I won like eight awards. I was the best chef in Southern Utah in like fucking 2000, it was like 2009 or 2010 or 11. I have no culinary training. It's all just marketing. What I did was I printed out the ballot from St. George Magazine. I highlighted every single category that we qualify for and put it on the tray when I serve them their food with a pen. And I would bring stacks of those things to the the spectrum is the St. George Magazine that ran it every morning. I brought it in. It was all legit, but people were pissed. And I think to this day, they removed best chef category <laughs> from St. George Magazine, like best of. I think they, they've omitted it. At least they, they omitted it for years because I did an end around on them. I can't cook a fucking filet like that. I can cook one, but not like someone that's trained to do. Um, and I'm just schlepping burgers. It was hysterical. You got, a, you got the good burger. You got the good ice. You and got the good mix. Got, you had the whole mix going and built a social media following. It is, started a little Facebook page mm-hmm. and in little Santa Clara, Utah, had like 1,400 followers and learned the power of social media, Hiem, where if we were slow for a night, i go back in the office and do a post, print this out, and you'll get with, if you order a burger, you'll get a free small milkshake or something. Mm-hmm. Next thing you know, 25 people walk in within that hour or so. I was like, holy shit. And that's before Facebook was letting entrepreneurs come in to advertise. That's back when like American Airlines, Ford, major corporations were advertising, but they weren't letting mom and pop shops come in and do anything. So I learned their even more organic advertising. and um, But it just became, it went down just because of me. And it's only one me. I didn't learn how to train people properly. Uh, It's all kids, so keeping them, is Mm -hmm. is, that's the hardest thing ever, is keeping good help in the restaurant business um, and paying them a good wage. And so the guys, the people that I did, the Facebook, I did a website. They did a website for me, had a digital marketing company, Innovation Simple. uh, um, Gaden Leavitt, great kid, great guy. And he hired me as their chief marketing officer and was doing (laughs) SEO. No marketing education to speak of. None. But I, but I could I could talk enough that he was yeah. like, you know what? I love your take on it. Why don't you come in and, and do some business development for us? We'll give you a cool title. And um, I said, okay. Started in St. George for about three months. And out of nowhere, he comes in the office one day. He goes, hey, what do you know about Vegas? I go, oh, I like Vegas. It's cool. It's my town. I go, it used to be my town. <laughs> Years ago, it was my town. Oh, yeah. At this point, but, but now yes, right? no, so no more hookers and blow. Now it's like, I'll go there, but I'm going to, you know, I'll have a Diet Coke or something. And, uh, only with a good mix, only, only with a good mix and the good ice and the good ice and the good ice. And so ended up coming over here Went to when the chamber was over at town square uh-huh. and I would, I'd sit there, I became friends with all the admins and all the salespeople for the Vegas chamber. And so I'd sit in their lounge on my laptop, whenever they're bringing a new member in, oh, this is Jeff Fargo with innovation simple. And he does, uh, Social media campaigns, SEO, and web design. Well, I was a salesperson. I didn't do any of that, but I knew enough to like to, how to go to the bathroom in social.
0: And at this point in the social media world, I imagine businesses, business owners know that this is a thing I need to absolutely, get in front of, but I have no idea how to do this. Okay. Yes. And here's the chamber literally just bringing
1: customers, shooting food. fish in a barrel. It was great. It was great and did well enough that. I did that for about a year and a half that I became friends with people at Greenspun Media Group. And that's when the publisher at the time um, that was, I, I, we, we became great friends. He's like, why don't you come work for me? Come over. And so I took a job with Greenspun and I was Cato Kalen for about a year. I lived in a casita in Roma Hills uh, for a year and paid like 500 bucks a month and would work here for the week I'd come over Monday morning early, work for the week, and then go back Friday night, and be home on the weekends and holidays with my wife and kids. And did that to the point where doing well enough, let's move to Henderson. And um, was it re- Greenspun for about five years, but then people weren't buying print advertising, and I just wasn't good at it. Like I, I couldn't lie. I, I just, I'm not good at that. I can bullshit, but lying, <laughs> I can't. I just can't lie. And so that's when I, I, I got into Thailand escrow from there. And so we kind of talked about your arc at that point, but here's a,
0: here's a question jumping into the takeaways portion. So you've coached now hundreds or is it thousands of realtors?
1: Oh, thousands by now. Yeah. In 10 years, thousands. Yeah.
0: What are the same old common mistakes that you see them making?
1: Lack of consistency. Number one, lack of, they go in and they're like, oh, this is great. Let's do it. It's, it's lack of consistency. Um, It is being overly loyal to strategic partners who are not evolving along with you, they're not earning your business. I saw that all the time. I would see, and it, it wasn't that I thought I was better than the other title rep or title company, but I was. And I have data to show it. And other people that would give me testimonials on my Google business page and all of that. It was like, it's right here. Well, I'm loyal to Fern mm-hmm. Flanagan and Uncle Jimmy's used title shack in fucking Moapa. Well, good for you. You enjoy making one hundred twenty thousand dollars a year for the rest of your fucking life. Not a bad living. Adios. You know what? For some people, yes. For me, no. Um, and it's I, I, that's the most frustrating thing is um, for with realtors is consistency, um, focus, which is a subset of consistency because of. Anyone in sales really has some level of ADD or ADHD. So especially over the past few years, you get an email about lead generation. Oh, what? I can get lead, what? what? Free free seller leads? You know, no, oh, come on. If it's free, there. It, please, there, there's no free lunch. There's always something attached to it. Give me a fucking break. Yeah. And so- If someone did have that,
0: like the switch that I just get to turn on and I get these free seller leads, meaning- People that want to sell their home in this case, or mm-hmm. my, in my case, someone that, would a uh, ready and eager, a primed and educated, like, I'm ready to sell my building. If you had that, I'm not giving it to
1: anybody. Nobody. <laughs> Why the fuck am I sharing that, you asshole? I'm not sharing that with anybody. No, no, no. That, I'm taking them. and I'm, I'm the most, selling those. I'm the most giving, empathetic goddamn guy around. But if I get that, fuck off. It's mine. Yeah. That's all mine. It doesn't exist.
0: Yeah, it's it, always it. something that has to happen.
1: <clears throat> yeah, it's it's, ba- it's basically research. Maybe it's it's research, but also like I've gotten in. I started, you know, when I was at uh, at Greenspun, getting into data and data mining. Mm-hmm. And when I was selling digital ads, I would sit down with a client and go, you know, we can get you in uh, lasvegasweekly.com dot and let me show you exactly we're getting two million views a month right now, and most of them are coming from Chicago. L.A., South Beach, New York, whatever. We can put your ads in front of those type of people and curate those ads for your product. And that's why I was like, ooh, this is cool.
0: Yeah, so the problem with that is you assume the business owner knows who their customers are.
1: Exactly right. most probably don't. Amen. Not a goddamn clue. I'm pretty good at this. But they think they have a great fucking product. Yeah. Uh, You know. So that's, that's where I really got into it. And then I got into skip tracing. And I still, I was doing it when I was at- Hell, at, skip tracing. Um, that's when you're pulling phone numbers and email addresses for a property. And I was doing it where I had a platform that I was using when I was a title rep that I was getting, you're, you're not supposed to do it. I was doing it all the time. And <laughs> I, I studied population migration, Well, 40%-ish of people coming here are coming out out of state, are coming from LA County. Mm -hmm. So what I was doing is a platform I had, I would pull any home with a certain price point actively on the MLS and they're in LA County and skip trace it to where 90% hit rate. So out of every 100 homes, 90% 90 of them, I'd get phone numbers, email addresses of those people. And then was building out scripts in ChatGPT to give to agents to call these people. I gave out – I spent thousands of dollars I paid on my own and to data for, for agents. 85% of the agents wouldn't do it. I'm like, I'm giving you the golden ticket. heavy.
0: The phone is heavy. It's hard, to, <laughs> it's hard to pick up. I've never heard
1: that before in my life. I love that. The phone is
0: heavy. It's 500 pounds. I go to pick it up. It's like Excalibur Ugh. taking it yes. out of the rock. Yes. It won't
1: go. Oh my God. It will not come out, yes. out of the rock. I'm not doing it. it, it. it, it I was like, because <laughs> again, what's common sense to me is not common sense to most people, <laughs> I guess. And so the 15%
0: that did start <laughs> dialing, what happened to them?
1: They made money. They got business from it. I, I was doing stuff before that, before I knew about mm. skip tracing, I get. I went, hmm, what if I got, I was at Fatco, what if I get top, a top 500 agents in Orange County, you know, uh, top 500 agents, and they're they're working f- with sellers in Orange County, LA County, San Diego County, the Bay Area. I was doing California migration, um, you know, presentations to pack rooms of of uh, people and giving them here's Google Sheets. Do it. Hardly anybody did it. Farm these people. Get send them a fucking market update once a month. From Galvar. And tell us a 30% referral fee. No. And I, I, at that time, I said to my wife, I go, what if I went back and I got my license here? Mm-hmm. All I would do is literally send once a week, put together a freaking little thing in Canva about the market and send it off to all these top producing agents and use, you know, MailChimp and just sit back and wait. She said, no. Okay.
0: You, I wanted to do it. Do you regret that?
1: Yes. You could do
0: it now. You got a lot of free time.
1: (laughs) If I was a younger man, yes. And so in marketing, um,
0: residential is their scale there. Yeah. In commercial, it's it's finite. There's this adage, commercial lags residential. Typically, they're talking about the, the market trends up or down commercial lags residential yeah in technology in adoption in marketing these kinds of things i would say also that commercial lags residential so first like have you done any like how much work have you done on the commercial side versus the residential side as it relates to these marketing tactics
1: none you tell me i'll i'll have a i'll have an opinion about
0: it but you you tell yeah, me yeah, no it's so here's my opinion about it. You get into everything you're saying, love it. It's awesome. It comes easy to you. It's natural. It doesn't come easy or natural to a lot of people, but that's where you added value and saying, here's the roadmap. Yeah. And in some cases, here's a silver platter. And it's like, eh, still won't. But that you'd expect that, you know, 80-20 rule. So 80% are not going to do it. 20% will. They're going to make all the money. And so you get into these, like uh, studying these tactics. You know it exists. You know you can do this. You're redirecting ads. You However, in commercial, the audience – let me pause there. One of the, Everything that you talked about from the burger joints to the um, migration stuff, it's like you go where the fish are. You're like, I want this kind of fish. That's the pond they're in. If you want this kind of fish, that's the pond they're in. So you have to go where the fish are. You have to go where your clients are. And so it's like, who are the clients? All right, so now back into – There's all this stuff happening around residential. Everyone's adopting it. Realtors are all like part, you know, I I will sell your house, but I'm also an Instagram model at the same time. I'm not knocking it. I'm saying it's cool. No, it's true. It's great. There's scale there. I try to take this and apply it to the commercial side. It's a different approach. It's the 1000 true fans. If you're familiar with that Mm -hmm. essay that came out, it's, I can pull all the office buildings because I'm an office broker in the market. And it's like, there's, there are this many. That's it. There's not 10,000. There's maybe 1300 and you know where they are now. They're all kind of different. It's not a three bed, two bath house. And there's a lot of cookie cutter. There's not a lot of cookie cutter, but there is finite. And so like the tactics to, to deploy, they are much higher touch. It's, much more research that has to go into it. If I'm sending you something as an office building owner, if it's a market report, I have to put interpretation into it for it to be meaningful for you on a consistent basis. And so this whole automation thing that's already occurred in a big way, it's not there yet, not as far as anything that I've seen. And so you just got me on a tangent. I don't think there's a question there, but what's your reaction,
1: Jeff? I think that, the narrative with it's it's data, and it's the conversation, right? And so it's it's putting that the the data into a conversation that is digestible to your target audience, and that's where AI comes in, because you can be so good with prompting, whether it's Bard, ChatGPT, Llama, to say this is my objective, this is who I want you to uh, you know I want you to go after. Here is the body of what I want you to convey. In terms of a say an email. Mm-hmm. And the one thing that most people don't do when they're doing prompts is before you ask it, then say, okay, give me your, your findings. Ask me any questions that you have. There's a the takeaway. Keep ask going. me, ask me any and all questions about my query before you give me your final answer or answers. Because and
0: then it'll start asking you questions yes. and then you answer them. Yeah. So you're you're feeding it more.
1: Remember, if you are using uh ChatGPT 4.0, I think it's like 400 trillion parameters, mm-hmm. like bananas. So you can't just say, uh, you know, uh, help me with, uh, you know, yeah. an email to go out to people that own uh, this kind of office building in Summerlin. You really have to put more into the prompt. Get you want more tip of the spear. Okay. And so that's like I said before. It's you know, I did my mom's uh, obituary in ChatGPT when she passed away and the prompt was giant. Mm-hmm. You know, it took me 45 minutes to type up but I'm just doing a, a dump on everything and then when it put out it made it made me cry I bawled. It was so good what came out, but it's it's good data in, good data out with anything with AI and that's the thing with residential commercial real estate, it's what's your objective? And where can and how can AI save you time? And it can, 100% chance it can and will.
0: That's really good. I just had a takeaway from you just now. Thank you so much. My pleasure. My pleasure. All right, a few more rapid fire takeaways. What do you think is in the near future for the industry, the real estate industry? Volume is down. Let me add some prompts to it. I love it. Volume is down. Interest rates are up. Uh, I understand in the residential side, there's like pending legal issues around buyer side commissions.
1: Mm -hmm. NAR, yeah. Yeah. Class action lawsuits. Yeah, big. Steve Hawks. Yeah, oh, it's crazy.
0: So with those and your experience, what do you think is in the near future for the industry?
1: Uh, Great question. I think that what's going to end up happening, we're going to see a a decline in residential real estate agents and licensed agents are going to go down because transactions are down. With the advent of AI, that- any agent that is not on AI is going to probably be out of work within a year to a year and a half. They're gone. You're going to be eviscerated because now you can one agent can do the work of three or four or five people. There's no need to be hiring stuff out, and you now can have stuff, processes and systems. Um, I've always told my clients back when I was a title rep, if you have good systems in place and you're disciplined with your time, you're bulletproof. You're bulletproof. Most agents don't do that. Mm-hmm. And they're still living high off the hog from, you know, a year ago, year and a half ago, when it was, you know, whatever you wanted, you can make money. You can show up at a at a house in a monkey suit and stand out there and just hold a contract and someone would come by and sign it. Done. Multiple offers, but then an hour of it being on the market. Well, now you gotta fucking work. <laughs> <laughs> now it's a job. And like I said in the beginning of, of our takeaways, if you don't treat this as an art form, as your full-time job, where you wake up unemployed every day, you're out. You are out. And I think it's a law of diminishing returns. And that's what's gonna happen. There's some stuff I've seen before where I forget how many hours it takes to become a realtor. It's like, let's call it like 120 hours, Mm -hmm. something like that. To be a, and this is like in Florida, I saw the slide, a licensed cosmetologist, it's like 2,000 hours. So it's more hours- to learn how to cut somebody's hair than to represent somebody on the biggest, most emotional financial decision of their lives in buying or selling a home. That needs to be changed. That the licensure requirements need to be more strict because the people, most people that are out there, they're just shitty agents and they're there for a paycheck. Shitty, part-time, I mean. Yes, and that's, and again, so I, I think that we're gonna see a great shift in the uh, the amount of agents that are out there, um, if you look at the hedge funds that are still coming in and still buying stuff up, because we've got an inventory problem mm-hmm. that's not going away. You know, I have uh Dr. Uh, Horton, and somebody else in my portfolio. I'm long all the national home builders. I'm fucking long on those guys because they're, they're not they're the only ones building homes. so There's no inventory, so I just think that that's what's going to be happening. And but you're going to also see, which is super cool the good realtors are going to get even better yeah, because now transactions are going to become easier to do because there's a higher chance that the person who's the agent on the other side of the residential deal knows what the fuck they're doing. And they're going to answer your phone calls and answer your emails. And if they need help, they're going to reach out and collaborate with you because you already know them. It's like if you're doing a deal with somebody Hmm. who's with a a competing real estate firm, but you know they're good you're going to jive. You know, there's a vast difference between the day-to-day
0: of residential and the day-to-day of commercial. Like Absolutely I represented right. myself on a house in 2006 and it's like there's no interpersonal, no. there's no discussion with the with the listing agent. None. I'm the buyer rep, they're the listing. I never talked to the person. Yeah. Never once. On our side, yes, I have competitors out there, but we're more colleagues than we're competitors. We will do more deals together. Correct on one side or the other, then we will compete for business. So there is a there is a big difference there. All right, let's shift to Las Vegas. When you think about Las Vegas, what are some <laughs> things that come to mind now and in the future?
1: Ooh, that's a great question. Um, I only have great questions for you. That's, <laughs> that's it. Um, this is a, again, I'm getting old. I fucking can't stand when people have their cell phones on speaker. <laughs> I'm at Costco last night getting some shit. And this older guy behind me with another older guy, they're looking at, and it's on like 15 is a goddamn volume. And it's only up to 10. And I, what I do to people is I stare at them and I stare at them. And of course they both glaucoma something. They can't goddamn see me. But I think <laughs> that is like, what is going on whenever I'm out now, that's something I experience. And again, maybe I'm becoming, I'm, I'm a curmudgeon of 53, but get fucking earbuds and, and put them in. Um, that has, that's like specific to Vegas. That's what came to mind. No, this is cultural. Um, I'm just, I'm, I'm freewheeling. I love the F1s coming to town. I I have a ticket for it. Um, I think that we have no idea the impact that that's going to have on our economy. Like we used to get happy when Mayweather would fight because all Mm -hmm. the rooms were full. This is, and I've said it, it's like NASCAR, except the $2 million Prevost buses that are coming to town. These are shakes from the Middle East coming in in golf streams with net worth in the billions and they're buying up, they're, they're renting out floors at Caesars to come in for F1. I think that's awesome. It makes us more of a global destination. Um, it puts us more on the, you know, on, on the map with stuff. I love that, that it's coming to town. I love the sphere. Um, I'm going to U2 next month. A Are buddy, you? Yeah. A buddy of mine's coming in, Kenny Hyde, who I used to sell copiers with in Manhattan. Uh, he's coming in from Long Island and I got him a ticket. We're going to U2. Nice. Can't wait. Yeah, I can't like, I... I love that. That's become the exterior part has become a tourist attraction. Like, yeah. Because yeah, I, yeah. I travel a lot, so I now plan to whenever I know, like, kind of what, like, from LA or whatever, what side of the plane I've got to be on on Southwest or whatever or JSX because then I, I can see the the um the ball the fucking sphere when I'm landing. It's super cool. Nice. And so I I like the direction that that we're going. Um, I I just think that you know like we had flooding here lately lately there's two schools of thought with that one it's well we're the desert there's nowhere for the water to go my son made the rj it was hysterical i took him down to the link him and alex to teach them stormwater runoff and erosion and this is where the water goes (laughs) and jack's standing there next you know chick takes his picture and alex is furious because she's like oh here we go again yeah it's a redhead and he's photogenic and the whole thing but it's then we get national attention because you see these idiots driving their Ford Festiva and the water is up to the windows and you see a guy driving and a girl holding a fucking cell phone <laughs> filming content, hiam. And I'm like, that's what people think of Vegas is they're going to look at that and think we're fucking idiots here. What the shit? So it's a, it, 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 it's a double-edged sword for me that there's a lot that's, we're a very eclectic um, city with a lot going on here. I am very bullish on Vegas. I love Las Vegas. It's been a very, very, very good town for me. I'm not leaving for a long time. Uh, You know, it's the schools are shitty. Well, guess what? Be a better parent. Be more active with your kids. You help them. That's your job as a parent, not the school. Um, You know, I just think that we have a lot to offer here and we're continuing to grow. I love that Mark Wahlberg has come here. I love the whole Hollywood 2.0 that now UNLV is going to get involved with. And I'm on the board at LVA, the friends of LVA. I'm working with them to say, I go, has anybody called Wahlberg's people? Why can't we get internships? We're, we're performing arts school. Yeah. Why can't we do some internships with Wahlberg's production company? I'm sure he would jump on board with that. LVA is a top 10 performing arts high school in the nation. You have the accreditation. Lin-Manuel uh, Miranda spoke there two years ago. W- why not? So I love the direction that we're going with things. I love how we, with construction, and major developments, if you go to Carson City and it makes sense, they're going to say, let's do it. I like that. Um, where other places, it's more like, man, and people bitch and moan. Mm-hmm. We're lucky that we've got the strip and that you can just do. There's so many fees there that you can jerk around with and raise something there by 15 cents. And next thing you know, there's hundreds of millions of dollars in funding it, for something. If it were only that easy. <laughs> it's not that easy? <laughs> Come on. Maybe for a guy like you. It, to
0: me, it's, if you make it easy, sometimes it just- That is, it's a, within the, I'm, I'm being cheeky all Within the DNA yeah. of Vegas, it's why not? You said, why not? Why not? It's why not? We are a
1: can-do city. It's, it's really remarkable. We, we, we get shit done here. And I'm, it's super cool in the 11 years I've been here, I've loved it and made, present company included, amazing friends here. Like yeah. ride or dies. People that I know, like I know if I was broken down in the gorge and had a reception, I could call you and you'd be there. You know, and as I would for you and many others here in town, we're a very transient community. But the fiber of friendships here run deep and strong, unlike anywhere else in the country, I, I think, because we're such a. It's what four to five years usually. People move, mm-hmm. so the ones that stay, you just grow to really to love those people. Like five years seems to be the time. Oh, is been five? five for me. It's like oh, I've been here five years. Oh, then you're a you're a local. Yeah, you might as well. And just to, say you're born and raised. To, to, and I, I love when people say, if I'm getting vetted and they don't know me, how long have you been here? And I'll always say, I've been here 11 years, but my son is born and raised. Yeah. And then that gives, then they're like, oh, and I go, "And he's seven. So they know I'm going nowhere. And I'm proud that my son is born and raised here in Las Vegas, Nevada. I'm, I'm proud that I live here. I think that we have such an amazing community. And the last thing is that we are so spoiled with food. It's all completely when you travel. Like I've done a lot of traveling Food this year, and, and service. I was oh, well, and
0: you go to a top restaurant in some other city, and you're just like,
1: dude, I man, I, did they miss I, the I, Like, okay, I was in Manhattan this summer with my daughter. That was phenomenal. But other places, like I'll go to Tampa to see my my girlfriend, and or other. Or I was in Dallas. Oh, there's this great barbecue place that we're going to go to in Dallas. We went. I'm like, it's not better than Rolling Smoke. You don't know you, really, like. We're so spoiled here with food mm. that you go to somewhere else and they say, we have this and we love it. That's nice. It's dog shit. <laughs> it's fucking dog shit compared to Boston. We have more five-star restaurants than any, any city in the world, but more than that, it's now the ancillary ones because the people that work on the strip in the kitchen as a sous chef, tired of the corporate bullshit, go open up their own restaurant in Summerland in Southern Highlands or whatever and kill it. And the food is as good and that's, or better and than that's the trip. our that's our neighborhood joint. Yes. And that's the place that we go to on date night right. with our spouse or partner and go have an amazing steak or a great piece of fish and a, an incredible dirty martini. And top-notch service. And the service is- Every time. Incredible. And I, being in the service industry when I was growing up, I always tip service. If I get good service, I fucking tip well. If I don't get good service, I tip dog shit. And I bring, I ask for the, who is the most important person here? I taught my kids if it's a lower end restaurant, look for the guy or girl with the most keys hanging off their waist. They're a manager, every single time. And in idiosyncratic detail, I'll give them feedback mm-hmm. on what went wrong and how they can improve, which they love. And I never accept a comp when I do that ever because I it, it, it then muddies the validity of what I'm telling them. Yeah. And also sometimes, often more often than not, if I get amazing exceptional service, can I please talk to a manager? And the server's shitting their pants. Like, what yeah. did I do wrong? Is, there, is everything okay? Ex- yes. And I, I make sure the server's right there. And, I, oh, and it's a thing I do with my kids for a life lesson. And I want to say, hey, what's your name? Paul, Paul, I'm Jeff, Alex, Jack. Julie was incredible. Our water never got lower than half. The bread was fresh. Our food came out. She explained the menu. Amazing. You're not paying her enough. She's fantastic. And I stop right there. And again, I don't accept comps for that stuff. Just don't do it. Um, but I, that's the part I love here. We're spoiled with our food.
0: All right. So, you're an idea guy. You already gave me one fantastic idea. But I'm going to ask you what ideas do you wish I would just stop gvetching about? And, <laughs> and <laughs> can I finish the question?
1: <laughs> you don't have to, but go
0: <laughs> What do you wish I would stop gvetching about and would just start doing?
1: Oh, my God. Oh,
0: my God. <laughs> Isn't Yiddish the best language like, ever? Yiddish,
1: dude, you, when we went to, I had to get my ring resized. I went and saw- uh, um, Mordechai and Benny. Morde, and I, you're speaking Yiddish. And I'm like, do you, what's the average discount you get just because you speak Yiddish with these guys? You're like, I don't know, 10, 15% probably. But it was like, it was so cool. To, you're a very cosmopolitan man. It was good. Um, well, let me ask you, let me ask you a question. I have a question. What are your top three things that you're just like- mm.
0: So she's, it all swirls around. So what I talked about earlier around how I view marketing in the commercial space, it really is all centered around a CRM. There's a lot of thought that I've put into it and it's like getting someone at this point, I'm not going to sit there and build the CRM. It's getting someone to build a CRM and then building out a, a marketing plan around that. Mm. I've thought it through. I've got the audiences defined I've pulled some initial data. We've made some initial steps. It's really like the bite down the bullet part is like you got to build the CRM. Mm -hmm. And then everything happens from there. I'm a marketing guy, not a CRM guy. So I want to just market, but I know. So that's one. The other thing is around this podcast. Like you, I mean, it's fantastic. It's fun. It's also time consuming. Yeah, I do one episode a month. I recommitted back to consistency. Started this in 2018, had a nice run, COVID, busy at work. I'm a bottleneck to the process. Uh, It's not monetized. So it's not like I'm going to go hire a whole team to do this like Joe Rogan has. So it's, um, so, but what I did do is say through some reflection like this, this is important of all the things I can be doing. This is something that is important. Uh, it's fulfilling. There's a lot around it. So it's a keeper. And so coming into, what are we in now? 23, 22, coming into 22, I did say, all right, I'm going to put some resources into it. Hired Creeco Production. What's the website? Cro. do it again.
1: Creeco Production. CreeCrow.com.
0: Say that three times fast.
1: CreeCrowPro.com. 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 That's a
0: hard one. CreeCrow.pro. That
1: works too. CreeCrow.pro. too. Thank you.
0: Anywho, uh, Cree <clears throat> okay. he said, hey, we're not just doing audio, we're doing video. Awesome. Brilliant. Um, again, one a month. It doesn't feel like, like you're generating tons of content. I don't know how many shows you're doing. One a week. One a week. So to take it from one a month to one a week intellectually sounds like the right thing to do. Process wise, um, resource wise, I just can't get out of my own way mentally. You're overthinking it? I'm not I don't know if I am. Because yeah. the, so the other part to that is what am I taking away from? Like what does this need to become it'll happen organically.
1: You, you, before you that though, before okay. that. Because, all,
0: right. all right, so let's just take those two things. Done. You said it earlier. There's only one of me. I can't clone myself. I can hire. That's fine. Yeah. But for me and where I'm spending my time and my, my, my thinking and my doing, I've got, let's just say, two choices. Build out the CRM around commercial, real estate, sales, and leasing.
1: Go crazy with the podcast. Podcast. Tell because me why. The, the, because you have the experience with this. You don't have experience building on a CRM, and but that one I feel like is a
0: is um, better return. I think that economically, a, I
1: think it's a better return. But also, I think that you will put more money into that to get it to where the point where it becomes a SaaS product. Um, it, that will take a much more a greater investment from you to make that happen. Um, where with a podcast, it's. And this is just, again, we're different in terms of our styles, Mm -hmm. right? Like I I was breaking your balls for emailing. I'm like, no questions. Let's just fucking run. You're like, go fuck yourself, Jeff. It's my show. (laughs) When I come on your show, you can do it your way. I'm like, God damn it, Haim, you're right. Let's do fucking questions, motherfucker. Let's bring them (laughs) on. Let's do takeaways, God damn it. I think that you need to lean more with the faith of what you've done and what you have embodied yourself with and just let things fucking happen organically. It's wonderful when you're doing that. I'm not a God guy. I'm a universe guy. I do. There's a board of directors somewhere that are like moving shit around. This is going to happen and all this other stuff. And Jeff's going to get fired here, but that's, it's all leading up to all this. And Jeff never has been in love before, but mom gets sick and dies. But during that process, meets the love of his life in Tampa. He'll be moving here at some time. Like things just happen. Mm-hmm. And the more you can start giving things just to the universe, when you know, like, I know what I bring to the table. Let's just let stuff roll and see and see where it goes from there. Especially with the podcast, that's something that it depends what your goal is. Is it to get it to monetize? Is it to get it to a larger audience? So then it gets more eyeballs on maybe somehow MDL and what you're doing here. It, there's a lot of different tentacles that come off from that where this is your passion. CRM is not your passion. You can do this until you are old and gray, my friend, and as long as there's Wi-Fi somewhere, you can keep doing these. I just did a remote in West, uh, the West Hollywood Hills in a $10 million home with one of the top Christie's, uh, Be- uh, Beverly Hills, top Christie's teams in the country. And we met because of uh, Snapchat. Or no, not Snap, TikTok. Kirby Gillian, amazing. Yeah, you're too old for Snapchat. I, there's yeah. no way you're on Snapchat. I am, I, I post there, <laughs> I post there. But I'm So I'm saying to answer you, I think yeah. it's that there's only so much you can do to cross your T's, and dot your eyes before you actually are starting to like, let's hit send. It's good. And let's see what happens. Now let's see what the universe brings back to me with what I've put into this. And what you've created here is amazing. Like, you're, you've been doing this for, since 18? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, a little pause, okay. And now that you're back in it, and to me, it's more of a, what part of this do you love? And is it bringing in people that are your homies, and you just shoot the shit, and then it's which is what it should be. Mm-hmm. And then it's taking that content and especially short form content. Cause most people like, I don't get a lot of views on my long form stuff. It's getting better, but my shorts go out to wazoo. Love that. I've got one of 2.3 million views. I talk about parenting, how I don't coddle my kids. And if you do coddle your kids, I'm not saying you, I'm saying metaphorically, if someone else coddles their kids, when my kids are going for a job interview, they're gonna eat that other kid's fucking lunch or if they're at work and working together, which which person, employee, is going to be less of a drag on the boss? Who's more growth mindset and who's more fixed mindset expecting someone to help them out? I don't coddle my kids. The number one thing I tell them all the time, figure it out. Dad, where's this? I don't know, figure it out. Open some fucking drawers, look for the spoon. <laughs> I'm not going to do it for you. Where's the remote? Where did you oh, put it? Oh, where's the remote? Where did you put it? Why are you yeah. asking me? Yeah, Go, fig, l- Well, look for it. And so- I'm trying to empower my kids every time we're together, but also I snuggle them, I love them. Jack is seven, he sleeps with me. I love it. I tell I tell my kids I love them infinite amount of times a day, all the time I'm doing that. I, I, I praise them, but I'm also their dad and I'm, I'm getting them ready for the world. And the world is getting more challenging every day. And with the internet and with AI, it's getting even faster mm. and more challenging and harder. So that's before I leave. It's just trying to bestow that upon my kids. I don't care about anything else. I care about making them the best human beings possible. And they'll be in therapy saying how awful I was. And that's fine as their kids will do.
0: I don't know if they're going to therapy.
1: I think we all need therapy once in a while. Maybe
0: Alex is because of her brother.
1: Yeah. Oh, she already has. Yeah. That's been a whole, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Jack is king of the world. We're all going to work for Jack Fargo one day. He's got the name, he's got the look. He, whatever that kid does, we're all going to work for Jack Fargo someday. Something's going to be going on with him. Don't know what, but he's going to be he he got in tr- I'll tell you this one. He got in trouble at school last week. Becky texts me, "I'm on, I'm I'm flying to LA to go to Dallas for Tom Ferry." And she goes, "Jack got sent to the assistant principal's office. He's in second grade and got sent to the assistant principal's office." And I couldn't and she goes, I'll call you when you land. By the way, I couldn't be more proud of him. Oh, nice. I went, okay. Turns out he's at recess. There's these three girls under a tree at Glen Taylor. And he goes over to him and he goes, So is this a girls only tree? And they said, Yes. And he said, Do you need a bodyguard?
0: <laughs> he created scarcity
1: <laughs> and created a job for himself. Oh my God, Jack! Far- Jack Jeffrey Fargo, Bravo! <laughs> kids kept running over, and he kept saying, "Nope, you've got to stay away. You've got to stay away." And then this one kid, who Jack says is a fucker, is came too close, and Jack's a big husky kid pushed him. They're on like the near the near the teleball court or something. The kid falls down, hits his head in the blacktop. The kid's fine, but has to go to the nurse. So next yeah. thing you know, yeah, now it, there's an incident. Now there's an incident. Report gets filed. Jack had sent to the assistant principal. J- Becky said the assistant principal is like holding back laughing as she's <laughs> talking about this. And I'm I'm talking to Becky about it. And again, her and I think differently. The way I thought, well, her thing was she's like, Jack is now safe. Like any girl in, in there thinks he's safe. They go, uh-uh, he's a stud. He's a fucking stud now. He could be pulling sixth graders out of there if he wanted to. Her fucking date nights at, at a fucking, you know, <laughs> at a soda shop at, at a Nielsen's for custard. So, but he's, he's just, he is, that happened. And I'm like, oh,
0: that's so funny. And
1: I, and we, I was in Dallas and I FaceTime with Becky and Jack the day, that night. And we both told him, honey, we're proud of you, but no hands, no feet on somebody. Yeah. You can't do that. Yeah. Cause he, but he took it so literal. And with his ADHD, like his old man's was hyper-focusing on protecting these girls. And now those girls are like, like love him. Because he is. He's, he's the bodyguard. He, he's the bodyguard and he, he's safe, Hiem. And that's where I'm like, oh, nice, bud, you keep riding that train, my friend, <laughs> where you keep providing a safe environment for people at other levels, you're going to be a very happy man.
0: I'm going back to the intro where I talked about you being a family man. It's coming through.
1: I love being a dad. I I love being a dad Haim. I, I know I'm a good dad. I I, I accept that. Like people go, like, "Oh, I'm trying." I love that. People are like, "Oh, like you see somebody being a good parent." I'm like, "You know, and I'll tell like, "I love how you mom. I love mm-hmm. how you dad." "Well, I'm trying." No. Say thank you. Oh, how about that? Just say thank you. Just say thank you. I I own the badge of I'm a good dad. That one washes over you. Fucking love it. Love it. Love being with my kids. I'm with them after when we're done now. I'm out of here and I go I go take care of them. I'm doing stuff with, with with them. I just that that nourishes my soul.
0: Well, let me ask you one final takeaway. What final takeaway would you like to leave us all with? Ooh. Of all the takeaways that's in your brain, Fargo. Man.
1: Um, give me a second on that one. I, I think that the, the biggest one is this. Um when you're younger, you think you have all the time in the world. And when you get older, you're counting seconds. And it's not about the grind. I don't want to grind anything. I'm 53. I'll break a fucking hip if I grind something. <laughs> I am not grind anything. Um, you need to find what you love to do and invest everything you can into it. Your heart, your soul, your money, everything. No matter what, if you play it out, you'll still be fine. You'll still eat. You'll be okay. Your kids will be okay. But if you don't pursue what you love and I mean, love. You're doing yourself such a disservice. Hence me now launching my own, my own gig. I want to do it. I want to do it three years ago, and didn't have the balls to do it. Now I'm like, let's roll. The kishkas, the kishkas. <laughs> let's roll, baby. And if you know what, it, it can't not work because I know what I know, and I have friends that already trust me enough that have said, I'm in. I don't care what you're charging. I'm in. You're not going to gouge me. I know that already, and. I know what you bring to the table in terms of your intellectual property. Let's go. So I just think it's if you have that feeling and it keeps it goes from the back of your head to the middle and next thing you know it's like there. Mm-hmm. Do it. Double down on that.
0: Fantastic place to end. Thank you my friend. It's been great. Thank you. It's been so fun. I'm glad you brought your
1: uh, calm shirt today. I did. This is actually this is the one. Uh, this was more of like a relaxed, muted. I know you film in black and white, so you know it doesn't matter.
0: <laughs> I got to get up with the times. <laughs> Maybe next time you come on, I'll have color, full color. Done. Awesome. One well, thing. Thank, thank you again. Thank you for listening. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. Takeaways Podcast is about sharing and paying it forward. If you like this show, please make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast and leave us a review. It really goes a long way. And if you really like the show, please share takeaways with a friend. Thank you and tune in next time.